Welcome to Obsessed by Bobble House. I'm Elaine. And I'm Jana, and we are your hosts of this podcast. In each episode, we'll talk about things in pop culture and media that we're obsessed with. We'll unpack our feelings about the good, the bad, and why they matter. So why did we want to start this podcast? For me, this felt like an opportunity to recreate those slumber party conversations that I cherish so much, Mm. where we can also talk about pop culture and its significance. And I personally love to talk and I've waited my entire life for someone to ask me to be a podcast host and it finally happened. And by the way, we've never actually met in person. Yeah, we actually don't know each other that well at all. And so to kick things off and start getting to know each other a little better, we are going to each share three moments in pop culture or media that we're obsessed with. So for us to choose these moments, they had to fulfill our criteria that we created. Mm -hmm. Number one, did this moment bring you joy? Mm -hmm. Number two, did this moment change the way you felt about yourself, your community, or your cultural identity? Mm -hmm. Number three, was this moment culturally significant? And number four, was this moment unique? Do you want to go first? I think I'm starting with a pretty iconic moment when Blackpink headlined Coachella. Oh, it was when I was still in high school and my non-Asian friends weren't really into K-pop and thought it was a little weird that Mm -hmm. it was becoming so popular. Mm -hmm. So this moment of Rosé screaming at the top of her lungs. Do you remember that? Yes, classic. (laughs) At Coachella, it was so special and it made me literally giggle in my room as I watched the replay version of this. Do you remember that moment with Rosé? I do, but I think you should play it. Okay, let me play it. Okay. So this song is called As If It's Your Last. So I want everybody to dance like it's your last. Epic. I you. love her. She's so cute. Miss Rose. Did you watch her um Vogue? Get ready for the Met Gala with me. Of course, babes. <laughs> She's like, this doesn't come with rice. Like oh, there's no rice. <laughs> there's no rice. And she's like, Oh, what do you guys eat in Paris? Okay, first of all, I'm really jealous that you found K-pop in high school because I am a pretty new K-pop fan, I would say. I think it was around like 2019 that I started dabbling. Wow. Yeah. And I honestly think that, I don't know, K-pop has like helped me so much because they just have so much pride in being Korean and I'm not Korean, but I'm Asian and it just makes me feel like I should also be proud. And I feel like if I had had that, like found that and found that feeling in high school, like in my youth, I feel like I would have had way higher self-esteem as a teenager. After watching that, I read a few articles and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Everyone's finally catching up. But this was the first time a K-pop girl group has ever performed at a U.S. music festival. Wow. And obviously, you know that most of the songs are in Korean, but I'm assuming that Coachella is mostly an English speaking crowd, but they still loved it. Right. I know there's some fans who are like, oh, Coachella, whatever. Mm -hmm. But honestly, if you watched 21, so if you don't know, 21 was a girl group, second generation K-pop that was together from 2009 to 2016. It was also the original girl group CL was in. Mm -hmm. I love CL. And yeah, CL is spicy. She is she's everything. She was going to play a set at 88 Rising and I think she wanted to reunite 21. And this moment just felt so special for me because I remember listening to them and remembering how unconventionally 
badass they were. Yes. They were all so different and they all were not that hyper feminine mm-hmm. K-pop girl group that I was so used to. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw a lot of girls generation. Right. It was they were all so talented and beautiful, but 21 embraced how kooky and weird and played with their fashion mm-hmm. and I felt this girl boss energy when I was a teenager listening to them and I just it just opened my eyes up on ways to play with your femininity and Mm. not just being conventionally yeah like you said we don't have to be hot just by some male standard right we can have crazy hair like Dara and her hair was like this like a shark fin k-pop idols at Coachella has to be one of my top moments but what about you? My first is Lucy Liu in Charlie's Love. Angels and Charlie's Angels to Full Throttle. <laughs> so, so good. Yeah. So first off, I will start by saying that Charlie's Angels to Full Throttle is without a doubt my favorite movie. And I can say that with complete confidence and everything that is wrong with me and everything that is right about me can oh be rooted God. back to the fact that this is the piece of media that feels the most me to me. <laughs> It shaped you. It did. It really did. I was raised by these women. But yeah, if you don't know, basically Charlie's Angels is about these three super hot, powerful, intelligent women who are BFFs and also spies. And they are the top of their field, of course, but they're also always getting underestimated, but they always prove people wrong and end up kicking their asses. Do you know what this reminds me of? Hmm. Do you remember Totally Spies? Oh my God. Of course I remember Totally Spies. Okay. I saw a TikTok. Sorry, quick tangent. I saw a TikTok the other day where this girl was basically saying, um, as I was a kid growing up, I thought these cartoon characters were maybe Asian. And she listed Mm -hmm. Alex. I think her name is Alex from Totally Spies. I think so. Yes. She had the yellow outfit. Yes. Yes. I think I see it. I, she was like brown too. I think she could have been Filipino. And she was the cutest one, arguably. She She had the best voice. She had the best style. Loved her. And then what was the redhead's name? I think the blonde one was Clover. Clover was iconic. She reminded me of Sharpay. I love that. I don't remember. Like She was a leader, right? The green one. The redhead? Yes. What was her name? Listeners, the only way we can find out who the redhead was is if you dm us or message us or let us know yeah we can't google it there's literally no way that we can find out unless you tell us it's physically impossible for us to google something yeah um okay anyways (laughs) so back to charlie's angels lucy lou plays alex another iconic alex obviously baseline she is a gorgeous powerful asian woman in a leading role in a mainstream american movie which is a huge deal just especially back then i used to play charlie's angels with my friends in elementary (gasps) school and i was always alex yeah i was always alex because she was the asian one but it was actually really exciting that there was an asian one to begin with (laughs) to this day i when i watch these movies which i do often um, and I watch Lucy Liu, I do feel powerful personally, and I do feel like I can do anything. Yeah. When I watched um, your video on Instagram, oh, yeah. it was a snippet of a interviewer who asked mm-hmm. her, oh, are you a martial arts expert? Did you show the girls the ropes? Right. And she was like, is it because I'm Asian? Asian. Asian. That you think that? Like, 
of course they're going to assume that she's the martial arts expert because she's the only Asian person in the room. And I just love that she did not put up with it at all. And I love this motion. It was so iconic. And I love how the girls backed her up. And I love when she's like, what was his name? Rove or something. She's like, it's okay, Rove. It's okay, Rove. It's okay. And she flips her hair a little bit. Because that's a Lucy Liu thing. For sure. Did you know she makes like sapphic paintings? What? She's an artiste? She's an artiste. Literally Google it. It's amazing. I love her. Oh my God. She's multi-talented. She is. Within these movies, I also wanted to talk about three specific moments that are burned into my brain. So the first one is... I think it's in a montage in the first movie. She is, picture this, she is blonde, dressed like a cowgirl, riding a horse, and hogtying a man in the middle of the street. As one should. As one should. Okay, the second one I'm just going to play for you. They should be answering to you, not you to them. (laughs) Who else has an idea like this man's Coke machine? (laughs) All right, tell me. (laughs) Better yet. Show me. Oh, this is everything to me. A goddess. Okay. And then the last one I will say is, okay, this is at the beginning of Charlie's Angels 2 Full Throttle. This is the first time that you see Alex in this whole movie. She's folded into a shipping container of some kind and she somehow unscrews all four screws on the top of the box at the same time from inside the box. She gets out. She flips her hair because she always has an amazing hair flip. And she goes, get off the babysitter. Daddy's home. <gasps> Can't how believe could I that. Not, how could I not base my entire personality after this film? Like Lucy Lou makes me blush. I'm covered in sweat. Um, speaking of things that make me blush, nice. we're going to nice my segue. second, <laughs> my second favorite moment has to be Tony Lung in Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Hot, 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 hot. Very, very hot. He plays uh, Wen Wu, who is this very complex villain and father of Mm Shang-Chi. So before the movie came out, there was some controversy on social media that Marvel was going to villainize a Chinese character in Shang-Chi. But... I have to say that this film did a great job introducing Wen Wu through a romantic backstory that added such good like emotional complexity to his character. I love that first scene so much where they're fighting, but it's like they're dancing. I could watch a whole movie of just that scene. They're fighting, but they're dancing. And it's like by this mountain. The actress is also a very iconic um, Chinese actress. And she was recently in a lot of um, in an HBO show. So Ooh. again, lots of representation, very cool. Mm-hmm. And having grown up watching his movies, like in the mood for love, he acts with his eyes, right? And it's so easy to just fall in love with him. And he has this presence about him. Like love Simu Liu, mm-hmm. loved his acting in it. Mm-hmm. But I think Tony just, he stole the show. Yes. To see this Hong Kong cinema icon being recognized as a leading actor in marvel was Mm -hmm. made me so happy it was just yes it's a movie about martial arts and Mm -hmm. dragons and chinese heritage and culture Mm -hmm. but it also represented it in a different light by exploring the really complex relationship between father and son Mm -hmm. and dealing with grief love and family 
And it's not a simple movie about Kung Fu. It's a story about Asian families and Asian identities and what we go through. And it made it such a special antagonist in this movie. Quick side note. Did you know that Park So Joon is going to be in a Marvel movie? <gasps> what? <laughs> I think it's I think it's like the next Captain Marvel or something. Did you watch Shang-Chi? I did. Yeah, I loved it. I went, I watched it alone in the movies by myself and just like sat in a corner seat and cried and it was amazing. <laughs> I watched Shang-Chi and then I called my mom after to tell her how amazing it was mm-hmm. and she did not care about it at all she about was like movie. it's just a movie yeah it was uh-huh. I was like oh representation yeah. Tony Lang is yeah, here. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was she was as if this was just another movie for her which is valid this is yeah. for her a source of just entertainment right yeah it's so funny how because my mom is the same way I feel like she watches things and she's not like she's rarely moved to tears I feel and she's and I feel like it's because she's not like grasping to like see herself in the movie like she's not I feel like our generation is like obsessed with representation we've been like raised to be obsessed with Mm -hmm. representation in the media that we consume which is fair I think it makes sense but our parents are not like that at all I feel like they just go for entertainment not to have any like grand realizations about themselves and that is what we're looking for or what I'm looking for at least yeah for us we see a piece of ourselves on the screen but for our parents, they're just like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Next, let's yeah. move on. Thank you. Yeah. Next. Have you seen Bow? The I have shirt? not. I don't think I can do that to myself. I don't think I, I don't can think watch you that should. I don't think you should. And I do not think Pixar has any business inflicting that kind of emotional <laughs> warfare on people who just need to watch Encanto or whatever. Yeah. Literally, it is like cruel. Like the feelings that that brought out in me are so. It is painful to watch. But anyways, I so I saw that in theaters with my mom and I was sobbing like inconsolable, like movie theater napkin. Yes, like pressed against my face, trying to just like make it through the next five minutes. And my mom is asleep beside me, just dead asleep. (laughs) She's probably like, this is for kids. Like it's like a kid's short. It has nothing to do with me. And I'm like, this has like, why are we crying? This is my identity. I identify Literally. with this bow. Yeah, don't watch it. I don't recommend it. Okay, anyways, to take a left turn into something a little more light, my next piece of culture slash media that I'm obsessed with is the Twilight Saga. No, I can't Why? believe it. <laughs> okay, Twilight. hear me out, hear me out. First off, I will say that everything I'm about to say is largely based off of the movies. I haven't read the books in a really long time, so I can't speak to that at all. But I did have a signed copy of the first Twilight book that my mom bought me from Costco. Um, So yeah, I just think obviously it was like a huge cultural phenomenon in the early 2000s. There was like midnight releases of all the movies and I went to every single one. There was like debates about- Every single one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It was all, literally anyone was reading. I think- um, Fifty Shades of Grey is based off of Twilight fan fiction. Did you know that? Oh, interesting. It's like this like shy, like doesn't know how beautiful she is, but looks gorgeous without makeup girl who loves like Jane Austen. And then there's this like cold, rough around the edges guy that, you know, never lets anyone in that kind of thing and has like a dark past. It's like this exact same formula. We love Um, that cliche. Yes, we do. 
And I just think it's so funny also the way that teenagers are taking to Twilight now. Like Olivia Rodrigo mm-hmm. has a Breaking Dawn Charm bracelet. Um, a woman of taste. A woman of taste. And I feel like they think it's so funny and campy and silly, which it is. But for us at the time, if you were really obsessed with Twilight, it was like the most serious thing in the world. Like it was like, this is like what I should be looking for in my future partner. Kind of toxic, maybe. Toxic, made of stone, watches me sleep, um, won't have Stalks sex with me, me until we're married. Yes. <laughs> and they were supposed to be what, 17? It's insane. I just think it's really fun. And, uh, you know, the Twilight Saga obviously has a lot of issues. A lot of people see it as like pro life propaganda, what? purity culture propaganda. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I mentioned briefly, Edward refuses to have sex with Bella until they are married. In Breaking Dawn, they finally have sex. Bella ends up getting pregnant with a half vampire, half human child who is essentially sucking the life out of her. Like her body cannot. She literally goes. Yes, exactly. That that sound you just heard, that's what Bella was like. (laughs) So scary. Yeah, it's gnarly. So she essentially her body cannot handle this baby and it most likely will kill her if she keeps carrying it there's like some debate with bella and rosalie where rosalie's like it's just a baby like stop calling it a fetus it's just a harmless baby blah 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 Mm. like essentially placing the value i've been saying essentially so much but placing the value of this fetus which it is at the time placing the value of the fetus above bella's life it was actually scared the scariest part of the whole twilight series was seeing bella yeah getting her soul sucked out of her i think she was obviously a stereotype of that time of how women were portrayed or like the ideal woman mm-hmm. was bella and the ideal heterosexual relationship was not ideal but it was what people sought after right that yes. intense emotional stalkery all consuming love yes. Love that makes you a bad daughter, a bad friend, completely disappear from everyone else's life except for your boyfriends. I just think it's so interesting because we as a collective now online, I feel like we're just obsessed with nostalgia and with looking back and just like marveling at how absurd everything that we consumed when we were younger was. Right, for sure. Yeah, like Twilight, we're obsessed with like y2k fashion and like paris hilton and like tabloids like all these things it's just fascinating to look back on and think of how these things probably affected us then and now Mm -hmm. by the way really quickly i have to ask you do you know about the chinchilla scene in the first twilight movie i don't know what is the do they is it grotesque no 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 no. i'm looking it up right now hang on i'm scared what are you gonna show me you're, I, I could never explain it. I'm just going to play part of it for you. Okay. This is a deleted scene. This is a deleted scene that is available on the extended version of Twilight, which you can purchase online. Have you purchased it? Uh, yeah. yeah. I had a chinchilla and me and my mom used to make these out of the chinchilla's droppings and, uh, you know, like, like paper towel rolls. Maybe that's weird. <laughs> what on earth is going on? Why was what was the con? I need some context for that scene. 
I don't think you do. Okay. Anyways, lightning round for our last few moments because we are going a lot longer than we expected. Yeah. When you were talking about Paris Hilton and nostalgia, I remembered that my third favorite moment has to be Juicy Couture tracksuits of the 2000s. Mm. It was everything. And seeing Paris Hilton being photographed wearing her Juicy Mm. with her designer bags was a pinnacle moment of fashion for me. I still want a Juicy Couture tracksuit, like really badly. I think we have to get the hot pink one. I th- Yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah, it is. It's the Sharpay mm. vibe. It's the Paris Hilton vibe. And for me, this moment made fashion really accessible. Yeah. It was literally the time of Us Weekly mm-hmm. stars. They're just like us. Exactly. and. They're just wearing athleisure with their designer handbags. And I thought that was so iconic. I'm obsessed. My final moment is going to be V from BTS whispering in Olivia Rodrigo's ear at the 2022 Grammys. Oh my God. I can't. Yeah. I'm obsessed. I I know. I, as a Filipino American V bias, that was incredibly targeted at me and my community. (laughs) And that's literally all I have to say about it. (laughs) Period. Period. Okay, now let's wrap things up with our one and only segment, Crush Corner. Crush Corner. We need a jingle for that. But Elaine, who are you crushing on? Since we're talking about Rob Pattinson Mm -hmm. in Twilight, I recently watched Batman and he is just as dreamy, maybe even now that he's not a vampire. So I would have to say Rob Pattinson is my crush right now. Wow, that's a good one. What about you? Um, I'm going to say Nigel Barker, noted fashion photographer. Oh my God. Good choice. Excellent choice. Thank you. So that's all we have for today. This has been Obsessed by Bobble House. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.